we'd like to welcome you back to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for June 18th, 2017. And continuing along, the next report is entitled Vaccinated versus Unvaccinated. Guess who's sicker? Uh... It's never been done before. The first-of-a-kind study of vaccinated versus unvaccinated American homeschooled children shows who's really ailing, and parents should be worried. Something is wrong with America's children. They are sick, allergic, asthmatic, anxious, autoimmune, autistic, hyperactive, distracted, and learning disabled. 32 million American children, a full 43% of them, suffer from at least one of 20 chronic illnesses, not including obesity. Across the board, the once rare pediatric disorders from autism, because autism was extremely rare, like before the 1980s. Then all of a sudden, they started increasing the vaccine schedule, and all of a sudden, autism rates started to explode. I wonder what the correlation was. Hmm. Anyway. Uh... But once rare pediatric disorders from autism to ADD to type 1 diabetes and Tourette's syndrome is now soaring. Though few studies pull the data, well, it doesn't fit the narrative, the pharmaceutical narrative. Compared to their parents, children today are four times more likely to have a chronic illness. And while their grandparents might never have swallowed a pill as a children, as a child, as a children, that's good, um, the current generation of kids is pharmaceutical, is a pharmaceutical sales rep's dream come true. More than one million American children under five years old now takes a psychiatric drug. That was absolutely unheard of when I was growing up. Like in the 70s and the 80s. I didn't know of anybody that was on a psychiatric drug. And now I'm not saying there weren't any, but I knew of none. I remember one kid in like, second grade that has asthma and what a big deal that was he had like an inhaler i remember that that's how that's how it stuck with me why i don't remember a lot of stuff from second grade but i can remember that uh that that kid can remember that distinctively because it was like such a anomaly of anybody being on any meds now it's the norm now it's basically the norm you know Thank you, pharmaceutical industry. You know, basically, thank you, Satan, is what you really, we're, we're dealing with here. One million American children under five take a psychiatric drug. That's just not a drug that's psychiatric. That's for mental issues, okay? More than 8.3 million children under 17 have consumed psychiatric drugs. 8.3 million. And in any given month, one in four is taking at least one prescription drug for something. Fast food, bad genes, too much TV, video games, pesticides, plastics, name the environmental factor, has been implicated in the surge of this sickness, although none adequately explains the scale or the scope of this epidemic problem. There is one exposure, however, that has conveniently evaded the search. Despite that, children, despite that, children have received it by direct injection in steadily accumulating doses far beyond anything past generations ever saw, and that's vaccines. 50 doses of 14 vaccines by the age of 6. 
and that is increasing. 69 doses of 16 pharmaceutical vaccines containing powerful immune-altering ingredients by the age of 18, and now powerful DNA-altering ingredients with using viruses as vectors to put the DNA payload into you and infect you and defile you. 69 doses of 16 pharmaceutical vaccines by the age of 18. So what's the fruit? Well, all the stuff we've mentioned, we've assured, we've been assured that vaccines are safe and effective, even though public health officials acknowledge they sometimes have serious side effects, including death, despite the troubling fact that no long-term study of their effects on overall health has ever been conducted, because no honest study any honest study that's ever been conducted like that would prove how lethal and how evil and how wicked they are and how debilitating they are. So that doesn't fit the pharmaceutical narrative. Okay, I mean, they can't kill us if everybody knows that. I mean, come on. So, remarkably, not a single published study has ever compared unvaccinated kids to vaccinated kids to see who's healthier years after the shots until now. A pilot study of, and I don't know why they chose this number, of 666, which is really a bad number, homeschooled children 6 to 12 years old from four American states published on April 27th in the Journal of Transitional Sciences compared 261 unvaccinated children with 405 partially or fully vaccinated children and assess their overall health based on the mother's reports of vaccinations and physicians' diagnosed illnesses. What it found about increases in immune-mediated diseases like allergies and neurodevelopmental diseases, including autism, should make all parents think twice before they ever vaccinate again. Vaccinated children were more than three times as likely to be diagnosed on the autism spectrum. Uh, vaccinated children were 30-fold. That's not 30%. That's 30 times, okay? 30 times or 3,000% more likely to be diagnosed with allergic rhinitis, hay fever, traditional allergies, than non-vaccinated children. You know, and I've battled that ever since I've been little. Ever since I've been little. Oh, and I brought a new product in. It's called Histoplex AB. Man, it is the best thing I have ever brought in for allergies. Allergic rhinitis. Unbelievable. I mean, I take about two every other day. And it keeps my allergies just... And it's it's all herbal. It's Ayurvedic herbs. It's like six or seven. Not a, not a bad price. It's, it's amazing. I just take two. And I'm a big dude. And that's about all I need it and i've battled that ever since and it probably was from the vaccines that i got you know i never i never really realized what a correlation there was between vaccines and developing allergies uh, but yeah yeah anyway i just thought i'd, I'd mention that if, if you need to know more about any of that just email me and, and i'll get you the info uh <clears throat> and remember whenever you purchase anything from me you're supporting the ministry which is increasingly how things have been working out. Because, like I've said, donations have been massively down. And I get it. The economy's been horrible. People are pulling their horns in. They're prepping. They're doing all this stuff. I'm not out there ever begging for money, ever. I don't do that. 
But if you do purchase anything from me, and I am bringing in this whole other product line, it is unbelievable. I'm, I'm going to have, my product line is going to be so superior to what it's even been in the past. It's not even close. It really isn't. I've done a ton of research lately um, on a lot of different crossover products, on ones that I've been using, on ones that I really wanted to get a better effect from. <clears throat> and anytime you support me or order from me, you're supporting the ministry. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Uh, vaccinated children were 22-fold. Okay, again... 22 times more likely to require an allergy medication than unvaccinated children. 22 times. That is off the scale. Unvaccinated children had more than quadruple the risk of being diagnosed with a learning disability than unvaccinated children. Vaccinated children were 300% more likely to be diagnosed with ADD or attention deficit hyperactivity, ADHD, than unvaccinated children. This is where it's all coming from, the vaccines. At least in part, huge part of it. Why? Why would they want... Well, don't you understand it's all about reoccurring revenue with the way the pharmaceutical medical cartels are based? You, you vaccinate them, you, they, which creates all of these problems, which then you have to go to the MD for to get your drugs to deal with all these symptoms. Well, let's put them on Ritalin. Let's put them on speed to treat their hyperactivity. That doesn't make a lot of sense. It just burns out your adrenals to the point where you end up calming down. <laughs> That's basically how Ritalin and Adderall and those types of things end up working. So, yeah, 300% more likely to be diagnosed with uh, attention deficit disorder. Vaccinated children were 340% more likely to have been diagnosed with pneumonia than unvaccinated children. Um, and my, that was one of the things I dealt with, is just poorly functioning immune system. And, and I, again, I was vaccinated as, as a child. Um, vaccinated children were 300% more likely to be diagnosed with an ear infection, which is one of the easiest things to treat, ear infections, okay? 500 part per million silver in each ear, two to three drops, three, four times a day on an active ear infection. The silver doesn't sting at all, and it'll knock it out. And generally speaking, what you want to also do is take it orally because you want to, if, if you've got an ear infection, it's just not in the ear. It's typically in the eustachian tubes. It's in the, a lot of times it'll get into the sinuses. Sometimes it goes from the sinuses into the ear. Sometimes it'll go into the throat, into the sinuses, or vice versa. It's all that stuff's connected in the head. So what I generally tell people is if there's any doubt, 500 part per million, two to three drops in each ear, three, four times a day in an active ear infection, it doesn't burn. You can use hydrogen peroxide, but hydrogen peroxide does burn and it crackles and pops and it freaks kids out, okay? And I've found the silver is even more effective on this. And then if you have a sinus infection, you make a 500 part per million solution, you can make it from 5,000, okay? Or you can order the 500 part per million in five silver. Um, and basically, you use that. And, and, and Again, you use distilled water when you cut it. You use distilled water. Um, 
anyway, you take that solution, you put it in one of those nasal atomizers, okay? Um, if you've got like an old Afrin bottle or whatever, you dump that out, you put whatever's in there. You can buy nasal atomizers online. Um, there's all kind of, a lot of essential oil companies sell them. I think Sparks Essential Oils sells a whole line of bottles. They've got every kind of bottle you can imagine. They've got little roll-ons, they got, they got the nasal atomizers. You put it in there. You, you inhale, you tip your head back. It's the best thing I know for a sinus infection. I'll knock it out. I typically will put one drop of eucalyptus oil in the nasal atomizer, and it just kind of helps open up all the nasal passageways. It's the best, easiest way to go after a nasal infection. So don't go any higher than 500 part per million in the ears or in the um, nasal cavities. And then... I don't know, on a child, you can use 500 part per million under the tongue as well. You know, like a teaspoon. Have them hold it in the mouth. If they don't like the taste, hit their mouth with a little bit of organic peppermint oil or a little bit of diluted cinnamon oil. I mean diluted. you got to be careful with cinnamon oil, especially. Uh, in, the, in the eyes, you use 50 part per million in five if you have a pink eye infection. N- nothing that I know of will knock it out quicker than 50 part per million in five. One drop, several times per day, knocks out pink eye quicker than anything I've ever seen. Um, and those are just some of the, the standard therapies that, that you can run into um, that where you can use the Invive. And if you get lung, then, you, you, then what you want to have is a nebulizer, in which every real buddy, especially preparing for a pandemic, a nebulizer is something that... And, I don't know that a lot of people email me, what brand do I buy? I have no idea on what brand to buy, okay? For a long time, you couldn't even buy these online. I believe now you can get them online. You still have to get a doctor's prescription. But um, believe you can get them online now. Just get a nebulizer, the one that has the face mask, where you can put it over your nose and your mouth at the same time. You can breathe in through the nose, which will treat sinus. You can breathe through the mouth which will treat throat and lung, and then the nose will also treat throat and lung, and you nebulize 100 part per million in Vive in that little nebulizer cup with one drop of eucalyptus oil. Again, opens everything up. Best thing I know of for lung infections. Best thing I know of. And then you also take the Invive internally. And then also, you do the other stuff. You do the whole food vitamin C. You make sure that, you know, uh, a, a really good calcium magnesium product is essential for the immune system i know a lot of people don't know that but it really calcium feeds the white blood cells and the white blood cells are the integral part of the immune system which helps your body battle things those are some things you can do selenium is super important for treating any viral infection these are all things i've got into in the past these are all things i do have whole food versions of and i mean whole food i don't mean go to walgreens and get the synthetic ascorbic acid which is the only thing that anybody ever seems to want to prescribe and they say it's vitamin c it's not vitamin c it is not the same vitamin c that's in an orange i use the whole food vitamin c okay the products that i use the innate products and um they're all whole food they're derived from a whole food and they're one of the only companies that i know of that does it that actually makes um, vitamins directly from whole foods. So these are all things that you can do 
uh, to boost your immune system. And I just, I don't get sick anymore, really. I, I rarely ever get sick at all because I just have enough vitamin C in my system and enough calcium and enough selenium that I don't get sick. Uh, now, a lot of people really need the D. For me, the D3, which is what you really, really need, but for me, it's not something that my body needs a lot of. For some reason, I don't seem to be a person that needs a lot of extra D3 supplemented. I guess I'm getting enough in my diet. But I got to have vitamin, the whole food vitamin C for me. There may be other people that really, really crave the D, the vitamin D, um, and have to have it in order to keep their immune system at a high level. Everybody's different. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. It's this is not cookie cutter stuff, you know. And, and some people can really get away with a, with um, a lot of like hardly of, of any one nutrient. Maybe their body's very very efficient at processing it, but yet they might need a whole lot of another kind. And so some of this is trial and error. It's it's not like that. Oh, I took this and it failed you. Well, okay, but what, did what you take was it whole food? Um, if it was an herb, how was it processed? Was it just garbage, like 95% of what's on the open market? Um, you know, did your body really need that, or was that the weak link in your chain? Maybe it wasn't. There's a lot of different things that factor in as far as what's going to work on you and what's not going to work on you is the whole point here. So going forward here, uh, let's see here. So yeah, vaccinated children were 300% more likely to be diagnosed with an ear infection. Now, another thing that's really, really good for all of this, ear, sinus, nose, throat, even even um, upper respiratory, is getting chiropractically adjusted. Because the nervous system, which is like the, you know, it controls all the processes in your body. If your spine is out of alignment, it will affect your immune system. Many, many, many people, and this was one of the things I was taught in chiropractic college, a lot of times where, and this was the real strict chiropractic, you know, which is kind of, I went to a school that was, I, I guess you would call them pretty strict traditional chiropractic. They would just adjust the atlas, which is the first cervical vertebra, C1, okay? They would do a toggle adjustment of the atlas, um, and which is a technique, and a lot of times that's all they would do with their kids, and their ear infections would clear up just from doing that. Okay, so having the spine out of alignment if a child is sick. Now I don't, I don't adhere to that. I do both. I will do both. I will do the chiropractic, and I'll do the other because you know the weak link in the chain theory. What if the weak link is nutritional, which there's a very very good likelihood in today's day and age with the soil depletion, with all the stuff they're doing to deplete us with with you know the GMOs and and, and all the garbage they're putting in the water and all of these things, there's a very high likelihood nutrition is going to come into play. It's going to be a factor. So, I highly advise now that you do both. But it will have an effect on the immune system, particularly cervical adjustments, neck adjustments, and upper back adjustments with the lungs on how quickly you're going to get better. Okay, so that's, that's something that's super... You have somebody with acid reflux also. You want to make sure you're getting the upper back to the mid-back adjusted because that's your nerve supply to that area. You have somebody with a reoccurring hiatal hernia. 
You want to go to some, a chiropractor that can actually pull the idle hernia down. I'm telling you, that is a huge, huge thing. Chiropractors, most of them are not taught that. If you don't know how to do it and you suspect you may have it because hiatal hernia can cause all of this with the acid reflux, with the digestive issues. A lot of people come and they'll say, well, I've got all these issues and a lot of it's related. They, they've got a chiropractic issue. Their mid-back's out of place. they got a hiatal hernia. Their stomach's caught up into their diaphragm. It needs to be pulled down. You can literally manipulate the stomach. And you don't have to go to a chiropractor to do it. You can go up on YouTube and watch all the videos online, how to adjust a hiatal hernia. And yes, there can be, there, there can be um, uh, nutritional components that you can use in order to heal the stomach. And, and I have whole protocols for those as well. I don't, I don't have time to even get into that today. But it's, I guess the point I'm trying to make is, is a lot of times it's not, not just one thing. It's not just like, oh, I take a pill and the problem's gone. Because that's how we're medically conditioned. We want it now and we want it our way, like Burger King. Okay, you go to, oh, acid reflux, you know, Tums, whatever. This is the most insane thing you can do. You're literally creating an alkaline gut. Your stomach was designed to operate at a pH of 1.5 to 2.5, which is enough to literally dissolve a nail if you leave it in that pH for long enough. Okay, that's how God designed your stomach to operate. You take Tums or Rolaids or all this other garbage, you're creating an alkaline gut. You will not be able to digest protein, iron, zinc, um, you'll all the parasites that are on anything that you've eaten like on any kind of green leafy vegetables will pass right through the stomach lining because that's the acid bath that was designed to kill them and then guess what now you're infested with parasites which is a whole other ball of wax and many people are infested with parasites as a result of that okay so there's things that you can do along those lines to kill the parasites but there's so many things that happen, and a lot of it's related, and, and there's a lot of things that can help it, like, okay, keeping your spine in alignment. If you can't hold your adjustments, you take some extra manganese. The manganese will help you keep the spine in alignment, and it'll also help you hold your adjustments, and it'll even help keep hiatal hernias in place once you've gotten them adjusted, whether you're doing it on yourself, but it's always best to have someone else do the hiatal hernia adjustment on you, because it just... The, the adjustment just is better that way. You'll tense up if you do it to yourself. Okay, that by itself. I had a guy that was scheduled for hiatal hernia surgery, and he came to me and I adjusted him. And when you do a hiatal hernia adjustment, and again, look it up on YouTube, it makes all kind of noise as you're pulling the stomach down. All kind of weird stomach noises. It's not hurting them. Never had anybody hurt. He was literally scheduled to get the mesh surgery where they would put mesh in to hold the stomach down so it wasn't going up through the diaphragm anymore the adjustment took me 10 or 15 minutes to do it because it was i just kept pulling the stomach down more and more noises more, and more i just this is a lifetime of accumulated hiatal hernia here at this point he canceled the surgery the next week and never had to have the surgery that's what an impact it made on his life one adjustment and now it's not even a chiropractic adjustment. You know, I wasn't even trained in that in college. I just learned how to do it from the guy that got me into practice. And you can do it too. That, he, all his stomach issues basically went away. Now, if he's eating like garbage, it's not going to make all that issue go away. But take somebody like that, put him on a little bit of manganese, have somebody that won't hold their adjustments, chiropractic, put him on, put him on some manganese. 
They start holding their adjustments. Why well, I don't need to go to the chiropractor three times a week anymore. Yeah. That's why I had hundreds of patients I hardly ever saw. Because I put them on the manganese. They didn't need to come see me anymore. Most chiropractors don't do that. They're not taught it. They don't even know what I'm telling you right now. It's the secret. It's, it would totally devastate the chiropractic industry. All these are little tricks that you can do that can make a gigantic difference in your life. I couldn't hold my adjustments at all going through chiropractic college. I did a bodybuilding show, Mr. Atlanta, when I was in 1992, I think. And, and um, this was before I was ever saved or anything. And I got so depleted from that contest. Three months of dieting, I went from like 215 to like one, man, I got down to like 178. And I was so depleted. I was, I was going to chiropractic college. I was seeing patients. I was doing cardio in the morning and at night. I was eating like 10 packs of NutraSweet on my oatmeal. I was addicted to that stuff, which is absolutely just total death. I learned later. I didn't know it at the time. And I, my, I was so depleted. I couldn't hold my adjustments at all. I would literally get adjusted, be right back out of alignment. And I'm like, I'm going to devote my life to this? I'm, I'm studying to be a chiropractor. I, mean, I, I can't even hold my adjustments. Went back. My chiropractor evaluated me, put me on... Um, you know, like some manganese to hold my adjustments, start holding my adjustments again. And it, I mean, it doesn't happen overnight, but within like a week or two, starting to see results. And then I realized at that point, that was the key to chiropractic. Not everybody's low in it. So some people will go and get an adjustment and they'll hold it for a year or two. Some people, they got to keep going back over and over and over. Now, if somebody's been in like chronic car accidents and they've got a lot of joint damage and they've got a lot of issues there, that can be a factor too for not holding the adjustments. But things like, you know, glucosamine and chondroitin and manganese and, and turmeric, which are anti-inflammatories, and a good fish oil, good, that, that new fish oil I brought in is dynamite, that one that I brought in. I, it's replaced both the cod liver oil from Standard Process and the Tune Omega. It's just superior. And for the, for the money, you get so much more. And it's unbelievably processed at a high level with filtration and... Um, very very extremely pure uh that is one of the best things you can do for your joints anti-inflammatory wise you know as well tumor can be a huge issue but chondroitin and glucosamine are the ones that really build the joints up but they won't really help you hold your adjustments whereas manganese is what really helps you hold your adjustments so it really doesn't do anything to build the joints up so see everything has its place in there and so these are things that if you get a hold of can make unbelievable differences in your own life. I know they have for me. I would be a wreck. I, they told me after my knee surgery, I've got a ligament from another person in my left knee. They said, you're going to be arthritic by the age of 21. I mean, and I'm not bragging, but I, leg, I just leg pressed 1,300 pounds, um, I don't know, a couple months ago. I mean, for... I did 1300 for like five or something. I had to lay off that though. It's too much stress on the hip joints. But the Bible says whatever you set your hand to do, do with all your might. So I shouldn't be able to do that is the point I'm trying to tell you. I should not be able to go into the gym at 48 and do that. You know? Now, do I warm up? Do I take a lot of do I take the do I do exactly what I'm telling you? Do I take the cod liver oil? Do I do the turmeric? Do I do the glucosamine and the conjoint? Do I do the yes, I practice what I preach. But I'm telling you that is because I'm nothing special. I'm saying that 
people can do that. There's a lot of people right now that are my age that can't even like, you know, they're like debilitated. You know, they can't they can't even do physical activity. They can barely walk some of them. You know? Their days from the gym are long gone behind them. And I mean, it's like, well, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. So I'm saying that to you to encourage you that no matter what state you might be in, there are things that you can do and implement that can make a tremendous impact on your own body. And the thing is, is we're body, soul, and spirit. If Satan can get our bodies and we can't ambulate and we can't move around and we can't do what we need to do, we're not going to be nearly as effective for God if we feel horrible and we feel sick and we can't move as if we as opposed to us feeling good and us being able to move and we're going to see next week on the study that I'm going to do in epigenetics that just what moving can do to turn on a lot of the good genes and 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 to um have a lot of positive effects in your own body and how that affects your even your brain neurochemistry so anyway let's go forward here um uh, vaccinated children were 700% more likely to have surgery to insert ear drainage tubes than unvaccinated children. Now, I will say this. If you've got a hole in the eardrum, you cannot do, unfortunately, the silver or the hydrogen peroxide or really anything in the ears because you have a hole in your ear. Okay, and in that case, I would probably say go the chiropractic route, do, do the silver into the nasal passages because there is connections from the eustachian tube into the inner ear and then do take the silver orally. You can, you're still hitting it, but you're not just doing it directly, okay? Um, and maybe even take some silver and like massage it in the ear, but not don't let it like drip down into it. Uh, that would be what I would do is if you had a hole in the eardrum from like drainage tubes or whatever. But I mean, all of this is criminal, what I'm talking about. All of this stuff is being done by design. They're doing it on purpose, knowing that all of these horrible side effects are going to come up, knowing that you're going to have to go back to the MDs to get remedies for this stuff, is at least what they're hoping for. And they're doing it on purpose to cripple your children and, and, and humanity in general. It is all beyond criminal. Premeditated murder and criminality is what we're talking about here on a mass scale. And yet they get off scot-free. And you can't even sue the vaccine companies that do this now. You can't even sue them. They've got a special board you go before. And they keep out showing out more and more and more billions every year because of all the people they're paying off to keep their mouth shut. Absolutely criminal. Vaccinated children were 2.5 times, meaning 250%, more likely to be diagnosed with any chronic illness than unvaccinated children. Yep. And then there's a little chart here. Um, 2.9 times more likely to have eczema, which is a big one now i've got a whole file on eczema i can send out um learning disabilities 5.2 times more 
The allergies was a big one. 30 times more. More likely to have an allergy. I mean, that's huge. That is gigantically huge. And again, the best thing I've seen is this Histoplex AB. I, I've, I've never seen anything. But not all children will be able to swallow capsule. But you can always... I don't know. Uh, the guy I worked with before, he would take them and he would say, well, a lot of times a child will be able to tolerate it if you put it in applesauce. You get some organic applesauce and open a capsule or half a capsule or whatever. You know. Um, next report. CDC publishes new rules for quarantine and isolation on last day of Obama presidency. Now here's where we really start to get heinous. <laughs> because where is this all leading here? Well, to this inevitable thing that I have been talking about for years that literally launched this ministry with that tour that I did on when are they going to finally pull the trigger on this with this worldwide global pandemic where they're going to be just screaming from the mountaintops, you, you get vaccinated or, or else. There are new U.S. governmental rules that can force travelers into quarantine or isolation if they are suspected of having a contagious disease. The rules were released on the last day of the Obama administration. This devil, especially knowing now that Hitler wasn't going to get in, was scrambling like crazy in the last days of his presidency to get in as much evil legislation as he could get in. This, this went through on January 19th of this year, 2017, and will take effect on February 21st, 2017. Under these rules, if the CDC medical professional examines and quarantines you, under a public health order, certain medical procedures such as mandatory vaccinations could be required as a condition of your release. So, vaccination by gunpoint. They've already done it in Africa. Already done it. It's routine. And that's where they beta test a lot of the stuff, Africa. Because there's no, there's no real news outlets to really, you know, report on this stuff. Not like there is here. For those of us who prefer to minimize our contact with conventional medical care system and its pharmaceutical products, these new rules should cause us to carefully consider our health status when traveling across state lines or traveling back to the United States during a CDC health emergency, if we have even symptoms of an illness that might be confused with a communicable disease, then it might be wise to carefully consider our travel plans. The rules cover travelers who are residents of the United States or residents of other countries. It affects those who are traveling to the United States and those traveling across state lines within the United States. This means that the CDC... Uh, and the public, U.S. public health system can exercise authority to screen people for the presence of certain infectious illnesses at airports, seaports, train stations, bus terminals, international border crossings, and at the borders between states. During times when the CDC has declared a health emergency, public health workers will become much more visible and active. An example of this was seen in 2014 when there was heightened concern about the transmission of Ebola from Africa to the United States. Such health emergencies um, will such health emergencies will step up their agencies, I guess they should have said, will step up their surveillance of people 
who are traveling into the U.S. and their surveillance of people traveling around the U.S. This is just going from state to state now, even. They will be monitoring travelers who are moving by air, sea, or on the ground. The CDC will have the authority to establish screening stations and to assess travelers for the presence of the communicable disease that they are concerned about. They will be able to apprehend, detain, and to obtain federal public health orders for quarantine, isolation, and conditional release. They can operate these screening stations at airport security locations, custom offices, train stations, bus stations, and U.S. Border Control. And they could even apprehend travelers at toll booths located at state borders. For all the parameters of this report, go, and I give you the link, because it's a very, very lengthy report. If you want to know more about all the parameters, the link's right here. Okay. Next report. New law could eliminate informed consent for human experimentations with vaccines and meds. So let's go ahead and listen to this one. Ever play that game where you click on one thing and then you see something in the sidebar? It happens to me a lot on YouTube. I'll be listening to a song and then I'll see something in the sidebar and I get lost in this maze of clicks and I end up somewhere I didn't even know I was going. I was going to do a video on the fact that Sesame Street is completely normalizing autism now. They've got a new autistic Muppet they're rolling out. And I have a lot to say about that, but I'm going to save it because I ended up somewhere a lot darker than just the fact that out of one side of their mouth, they're going to normalize autism with their autistic Muppet and then also have other Muppets push vaccines because the only thing the system will tell you they're showing scenes from sesame street now with this autistic muppet and their health doctor guys on there talking to the muppets oh this is totally normal johnny everybody this is this is normal well of course they're trying to normalize disease and illness and in, in all of these things that they're perpetuating through the vaccines about the autism epidemic is that it's definitely not vaccines they won't tell you what it is they can't tell you what it is right but they will tell you it's definitely not vaccines don't worry elmo it's just a little pinch and it's safe anyways it's safe elmo the little pinch from the from the 900 vaccines we're gonna give you with you know disease green reese's monkey kidney you know recombinant dna injected in off of little aborted babies as well and all the aluminum and, and the thermarazole and the mercury and, and all the other garbage don't worry elmo it's safe because i say so because i'm satan but i noticed that the u.s department of health and human services has got elmo and tell all your friends on sesame street to get vaccinated too right off sesame street tell all your friends to get vaccinated and die Sid the Science Kid on their official channel singing about this stuff. And then off to the side, I noticed that right now they're hosting their National Vaccine Advisory Council meeting for 2017. So I clicked on one and just started randomly clicking through it the way you open a book and randomly flip through the pages. And I ended up on this slide and went, wait, wait, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa. What? They're talking about a bill here, and they're talking about Section 3024 of this bill, and they're talking about informed consent. And I will play for you what they had to say, just it's taken out of what they're talking about here, having to do with vaccines and the... They don't give informed consent for anything, though, when it comes to vaccines. I mean, if you go into a vaccine place, if they were going to give you informed consent, they would tell you all the stuff I'm telling you today. Does that ever happen? To you personally, when you've went in to get a vaccine, if you've ever been exposed to that, I hope you haven't. 
but have have they oh i, I want to tell you about this myriad of side effects that, that can happen in, in what we act what's actually in the vaccine no they don't give you any info it's criminal what they're doing 100 percent criminal 21st century cures act and i think this is my last slide this speaks to informed consent waiver or alteration for clinical investigations. There, I have to say, is still a lot of, lot of discussion going on whether this really will apply of two vaccines for the following reason. This, uh, the 21st century cures would amend the Food and Drug um, Act to, to add an exemption from informed consent requirements for those clinical trials that pose no more than minimal risk and where appropriate safeguards protecting the rights, safety, and welfare subjects are in place. Now, for vaccine trials, we always have taken the position that these trials do involve more than minimal risk. So this may not be applicable, but again, I mean, we have our you know, lawyers, everybody engaged to really help guide this along. So and that would conclude my comments. Thank you. So I wanted to see lawyers. what is the 21st Century Cures Act. This apparently has become law now. This was passed in December. It says became public law number 114255. But if you go down to section 3024, informed consent waiver or altercation for clinical investigations, this blew my mind. Apparently they have amended section 520G3 of the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act. The informed consent waiver and altercation for clinical investigations and inserting except where it's not feasible, is contrary to the best interests of such human beings, or the proposed clinical testing poses no more than minimal risk to such human beings and includes appropriate safeguards as prescribed to protect the rights, safety, and welfare of such human beings. So what they're saying is now they don't have to get informed consent to test drugs and vaccinations on human beings if it's been determined by the secretary or if such conditions as the secretary prescribed that the proposed clinical testing poses no more than minimal risk. So I went over and looked up 520G section 3 because I wanted to see what exactly it was that they were talking about. And what they're talking about in this is the exemption for devices for investigational use. It says, it's the purpose of this subsection to encourage to the extent consistent with the protection of public health and safety and with ethical standards, which we all know what the ethical standards are these days, the discovery and development of useful devices intended for human use and to that end to maintain optimum freedom for scientific investigators in their pursuit of that purpose. And it goes on to talk about how you can get an exemption from informed consent under certain conditions in the testing of these medical devices as they're calling them and under section 3d it talks about how they have to assure that informed consent will be obtained from each human subject of proposed clinical testing involving these medical devices be it drugs vaccines what have you except where subject to such conditions as the secretary may prescribe the proposed clinical testing poses no more than minimal risk to the human subject and includes appropriate safeguards blah 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 or the investigator conducting or supervising the clinical testing of the device determines in writing that there exists a life-threatening situation involving the subject of such testing which necessitates the use of the device and that it's not feasible to obtain informed consent. So I guess if there was an outbreak or something and they determined that everyone just needed to be vaccinated from that. When this passed, by the way, is one of the last things that passed before Obama left office and he gave a little statement. A lot of research 
of drugs, vaccinations, and who knows what else is going to be housed under the umbrella of this 21st Century Cures Act, which now has been amended to say they can waive con informed consent if it poses no more than minimal risk or if it's in the contrary to your best interest. Because as we all know, the government knows what's best for you. CDC, Health and Human Services, they know what's best for you and your children and your family. You don't know what that is. You need the government bureaucracy to tell you what that is. And I guess my question is, if you don't have informed consent in clinical trials and experimentation on people, then how does anyone know they're not part of an experiment? How, because you don't, if the people doing, t testing the drugs and testing the vaccines don't have to tell you that you're part of it, and they don't have to get your consent, they don't have to inform you what they're doing, and then get your consent after they've meaningfully informed you of what they're giving you, then how the hell does anyone know, right? Yeah, that sounds crazy, but I'm not the one that just wrote this bill and Congress was enthusiastically like, yeah, let's pass that, and Obama signed it into law. And while the lady at the CDC is talking about how they're going to use their lawyers to try and find semantic ways to get around informed consent, because even she has to admit their vaccines pose more than a minimal risk. For vaccine trials, we always have taken the position that these trials do involve more than minimal risk. So this may not be applicable, but again, I mean, we have our, you know, lawyers, everybody engaged. Now they're talking about how they're going to use their lawyers over at the CDC to finagle with the semantic argument about risks posed by vaccinations and the testing of those vaccinations on the population. They have also been discussing new ways of how they can give vaccines that aren't just giving you a shot in your arm, okay? That's another panel I have not had the chance to listen to because, well, frankly, I like to sleep at night, and I like how they don't inform anyone because they know you're not going to read through this 788-page bill, so you're not going to know that that's buried in there. No one would. And it's obvious who this benefits and what kind of society they want, uh, the people who make the profits, and, and just the overall sense of compliance that they want to instill. And it's terribly wrong. Everyone knows about the issues with the drugs and the vaccines. They have killed people. Uh, heart medications, just as an easy, low-lying fruit example, has killed hundreds of thousands of people, and drug companies have had to pay money for it. But they once said there was little to no risk with those medications as well. The government basically rubber stamps what the corporations and vaccine institutions and scientific research houses report about themselves and there's obvious blind spots there's so much political bias and money buys a lot more than true real science ever could and yet that is the system that we're being corralled into that they're trying to force us to accept and just roll over and say well it's a low level chance look around they haven't explained autism there's people everywhere you will meet them everywhere people are being hurt by this and they're deliberately ignoring the dangers. They know what is going on. They're aware that there is a problem. They've just told people to shut up and look elsewhere, and studies and statistics have made their case that there's no link to, especially vaccines, but other pharmaceutical drugs too. I mean, this is evil. By even talking about getting rid of informed consent, by not allowing you to opt out of the system, 
it makes you a slave. That is slavery. You can use whatever name or euphemism you want for it. What it boils down to is a system where you will do what you're told. You will be experimented on and you have no option. If that is the system they get through in the name of the greater good, and the system they get through because they tell you they've tested it and it's safe and this is the greatest scientific advance in hundreds of years, if they tell you you're not allowed to say no and that your children will be vaccinated or given medications or that because of Obamacare mandates or Trump care mandates that you do not have the right to decide what goes in your body or when you draw the line, then there's just no other word for it. You're a slave. So we have that. And you can see how they're just tightening the net more and more and more. You know, with just even the last two reports I just talked about. Next report, the corrupt vaccine industry has the means and the motive to stage a massive false flag outbreak to demand nationwide vaccine mandate. The vaccine industry is unique in the fact that it's the the more its products fail, the greater the demand for its faulty products. Simply stated, when vaccines are accidentally distributed with live viruses instead of attenuated or weakened viruses, they cause the very outbreaks of the disease they claim to prevent. Once the outbreak happens, the the pharma-funded medical mainstream media catapults disease hysteria into the mass consciousness while calling for everyone to take more vaccines to, quote, prevent the outbreak, even though the vaccines caused the outbreak. Those who weren't vaccinated are always blamed for the outbreak then, even when the outbreaks occur largely among children who have already been vaccinated. Oops, another live virus accidentally manufactured into vaccines. We already know that the vaccine manufacturers sometimes ship live viruses to production facilities, causing live viruses to be used in the vaccines that subsequently infect vaccine recipients with the very disease they claim to prevent. We also know that vaccine manufacturers enjoy a very unique legal protection from all lawsuits due to an act of Congress. As a result, faulty vaccines that accidentally or intentionally contain live viruses that spread disease outbreaks pose zero risk of liability to the vaccine manufacturers. In summary, the vaccine manufacturers experience enormous benefits from the accidental outbreaks of disease caused by faulty vaccine manufacturing while having zero exposure to liability for such, quote, mistakes. As a result, vaccine manufacturers have every incentive to use vaccines as a vector to introduce infectious disease outbreaks into the population after which they enjoy enormous profits in governmental funding grants thanks to all the fake news media hysteria that claims vaccines are the only solution to the very problem that was caused by the vaccines in the first place. Virologists working for Merck even filed a false claims act within the federal government describing how they were forced to falsify vaccine clinical dry results to trick the FDA into approving vaccines that they said would contribute to the spread of an infectious disease. It's the perfect racket. Create a product that spreads the disease while convincing the entire world that your product is the only solution to stopping the spread of the disease. Every outbreak earns you more money and prestige while the government grants you absolute legal protection from all lawsuits, meaning you can place literally anything into the vaccine, like live viruses, heavy metals, radioactive isotopes, etc., and face no financial or legal repercussions whatsoever. 
So we have that. <clears throat> ah, remember the Zika virus? Did a whole bunch on that. Zika virus vaccine will genetically re-engineer your DNA. Now, we've already talked about this. And now they're coming out with overt vaccines where they're saying that they're going to do this and they're telling you and they're communicating this to you even ahead of time. Touted as the next epidemic... Just the words Zika virus are enough to strike fear into the hearts of millions. While every pregnant woman on high alert and female athletes bailing out of the Rio Olympics in terror last year, the mainstream media created an epidemic of hysteria far greater than the danger posed by the disease itself, with conditions like microencephaly, babies born with abnormally small heads, and Guillain-Barre syndrome, an autoimmune disorder in which the body attacks its own peripheral nervous system, being blamed on Zika, uh, the fear spread like a contagious disease, quickly and without reason. But stop and think, when was the last time you saw a Zika headline? How many babies actually ended up being born with microcephaly? How many people have you heard being contracted, uh, that contracted Guillain-Barre after being infected with Zika? Uh, and then there's a whole link here on the real story behind Zika you can click on there. Note the Washington Post, after being at the forefront of the media hysteria for months, quietly wrote near a... Uh, nearly a year after the epidemic, nearly nine months after the Zika was declared a global health emergency, the virus has infected at least 650,000 people in Latin America and the Caribbean, including tens of thousands of expectant mothers. But to the great bewilderment of scientists, the epidemic has not produced the wave of fetal deformities so widely feared when the images of misshapen infants first emerged from Brazil. The truth is, the whole thing pretty much fizzled out to nothing, but not until after millions of women endured an anxiety-ridden pregnancy. Mosquitoes were sprayed, in, and this is why I think one of the main reasons they did this. Mosquitoes were sprayed in mass with dangerous neurotoxins like DEET, which is unbelievably horrific for our bodies. DEET, don't buy mosquito stuff with that garbage in it. Go and get the natural stuff. There's natural um, stuff you can do for ticks and mosquitoes and all kind of things. Don't use the deed. It's, it's a neurotox. It's horrible. And the big farm established the pos popular narrative that Zika is a dangerous disease. And like all dangerous diseases, it needed, it needed a vaccine, of course. That's always the solution. Having pretty much come to nothing by the latter part of 2016, one would expect that it that to be the end of the Zika hysteria, a shame-faced media and medical community should be bowing their heads in shame and waiting for the whole thing to blow over, right? But no, in August of 2016, the National Institutes of Health proudly announced that it would start investigating a Zika vaccine for humans. Then in November of last year, the NIH announced the start of the first of five clinical trials to test the Zika-purified inactivated virus vaccine. Um... This is not an ordinary run-of-the-mill vaccine either. This is how the NIH explains the mechanism of the proposed vaccine. The investigational Zika vaccine includes a small circular piece of DNA. <laughs> so here we go with the DNA called a plasmid that scientists engineered to contain genes that code for proteins of the Zika virus. When the vaccine is injected into the arm muscle, cells read the genes and make the Zika virus proteins, which self-assemble into virus-like particles. Remember what we said about using viruses in vaccines as vectors to basically deliver the DNA payload. We already talked about this. So this vaccine will work by injecting synthesized genes into your body, thereby permanently altering your DNA and presumably the DNA of your children and all of their offspring. Because this, this isn't just about us. This is about defiling our seed, our offspring. 
you know, making them sterile. And who knows how it's going to affect their humanity in their own DNA. John Rappaport, an award-winning investigative journalist, which was the man that we, we heard earlier on the interview, makes the point that with a vaccine like this, the sky would be the limit for the government. Under the guise of, quote, vaccination, DNA could be altered to make people more obedient or passive, intelligent or talented, subservient, etc. I mean, we are talking absolute, total insanity. So that's all I have for part two, and uh, we will go to part three next.